Hey everybody, welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Yay! <laughs> yes, we're in our third week of June Tunes. And this time we're bringing you a ranking of some of our favorite songs in the Disney Songbook. But we are three old friends that are, try to learn everything we can about movies and TV, as well as teaching everyone else in the process. I'm Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. Hey. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> It's undeniable that Disney music is an iconic element to the studio's best animated films. Disney songs have permeated American and sometimes world pop culture throughout the last 70 years. Some songs are tender moments between characters, while others are show-stopping power ballads that we belt out in our cars. <laughs> Today we're taking a look at some of the most fun and interesting entries in the Disney songbook. The villain songs. Yay! <laughs> 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 Very nice, everybody. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. I think we've nailed that. Yes. These songs are incredibly important in terms of introducing the audience to the main antagonist, giving us a look into their mind and motives. A good villain song is fun to listen to and perform. It brings sometimes much-needed depth to these intriguing characters. Yes. We can all agree that Disney songs are all, for the most part, just brilliant, right? Mm -hmm. They're yeah. so much fun. Mm -hmm. We know all of them almost by heart, <laughs> especially out of our favorite movies like, yeah. you know, Lion King, Jungle Book, things that we watch a zillion and one times. We know all the words, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody listening probably has a favorite as well. Yeah. But all of the movies have their own, you know, structure as far as the songs go. There's always that one that has to do with wanting more. Or there's always mm -hmm. that one that has to do, or, or there's like a crowd singing along. All these different things. But the villain song is what we're talking about today. Yeah. And it'll be so much fun because yeah. the villains are always... Like some of the most interesting yeah, characters no they matter are. what. They For are sure. the most interesting characters in these movies. It's really it's really easy to love Disney villains. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's good. That means they're dynamic people. And yeah. we're not like when we see them die, we're kind of conflicted about it sometimes and sometimes we're extremely happy about it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you know, there's people you love to hate and then there's people you you hate to love, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The what? only thing I'm sad about, though, is that Maleficent doesn't have a, a song. I'm See, a little bit, I'm I a little think, bit sad about that. I think that these di villain songs add whimsy to a villain. That's true. And mm. uh, so, for some of these older villains, like Sleeping in Sleeping Beauty and in Snow White, they do not have songs because they they are meant to be portrayed as, you know, kind of one dimensional villains that you know we know their motives but we you know we don't need to know much more about them mm, they're true. they're really more of like they're, plot devices they're just evil with, yeah. yeah especially with maleficent because she just appears and it's like hey oh yeah. nobody invited me kill your daughter yeah like, yeah you know so she is she we don't need to know much right. more back to, like to the whimsy thing mm. having less information makes them much scarier yes true knowing less about something is mm. far worse all right than... you've convinced me and the thing we only see like a fraction of her power yeah in the mm -hmm. movie you know i mean mm -hmm. the dragon is amazing and it's like epic ultimate yeah. but like who knows what else she could have done right right i can't imagine lady tremaine from cinderella breaking into song. <laughs> yeah you know what i mean it would totally kill her vibe it would yeah. totally ruin yeah. what she is so we're gonna go through our top 10 best disney villain songs here we go we're gonna start off with number 10 mm. the world's greatest criminal mind yeah from the great mouse detective in yeah. 1986 my friends, we are about to embark on the most odious, the most evil, the most diabolical scheme of my illustrious career. A crime to top all crimes, a crime that will live in infamy. Although it came from Disney's Bronze or Dark Age, we're going to call it the Bronze Age because mm -hmm. it's nicer. The great, <laughs> the great Mouse Detective was a fairly successful film. Based on characters created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the film takes place in the world of mice, 
living beneath the city of London within the Sherlock Holmes universe. Yeah. The characters of Sherlock Holmes are living above them, <laughs> doing their normal thing, yep. and then these mice are beneath, carrying out, for some reason, the exact same. Yeah, yeah their own crimes yeah. and, and mysteries to solve. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great movie if you haven't seen it. One of the standout features of this film is the score by the legendary composer Henry Mancini. Yes, we've heard that. We've actually, this is the third time we've mentioned Henry Mancini (laughs) in three episodes, and and we didn't we didn't specifically mention his name in the in the Blues Brothers episode, but we did talk about Peter Gunn, which is in the Blues Brothers. So Henry Mancini is so influential to American pop music mm-hmm. that we have unwittingly referenced him in three episodes <laughs> we didn't mean to it just happened it's just there yes <clears throat> he's yeah. also one of those people that john williams learned from yeah it's it's amazing he was known for creating the pink panther theme moon river and peter gunn as you just mentioned mm-hmm. although there is only one character sung arrangement in the great mouse detective it is incredibly memorable yes and that is what we're talking about the World's Greatest Criminal Mind was composed by Henry Mancini with lyrics by Larry Grossman and Ellen Fitzhugh. Great stuff. It's such a, it's such a, like, I don't know, partially, it still maintains like a happy, whimsical kind of yeah. thing like you mentioned. It, but what he's singing about, it's like, yeah, I've done terrible things. He's, Isn't that great? Yeah, he's one of those villains that is really awful, but the song... The song is so upbeat and happy. It's very like classic cartoon villain mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. If Henry Mancini, though, isn't enough to get you excited, it was performed by the one and only Vincent Price with the accompanying chorus. Yes. Yeah. Hooray. What a great job he did. Interestingly, Vincent Price's character, Egghead, in the 1966 Batman, was referred to as the world's greatest criminal mind by the narrator. Yeah. So it's a nice yeah. little reference right there. And and Vincent Price was just the world's greatest criminal voice, too. I mean, I mean he, really. This song introduced the audience to Basil's arch nemesis, the rat named Radigan, who refused to believe that he's a rat, mm-hmm. which is so silly. Yes. But also mm-hmm. hilarious. He rules over his minions, singing gleefully about his exploits as a villain with a supportive chorus of animal cronies. The song made our top ten because it effectively captures the whimsical nature of a classic cartoon villain, like you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. while demonstrating Radigan's evil persona. It's one of the most upbeat songs about murder and crime we've ever heard, (laughs) which is true, Mm. with some power-hungry pieces to boot. That's right. Telling them that he's a mouse, just like them, Mm -hmm. getting them to follow him. But also, another mouse refers to him as a rat, and he immediately has the cat eat it. (laughs) <laughs> just, just to just to uh-huh. one show everybody how how evil he is yeah. mm-hmm. and what he'll do if they don't agree with mm-hmm. him if he he's in charge mm-hmm. yeah yes i'm a mouse i'm a mouse like you i'm gonna be the leader of mousedom he can't be the leader of ratdom for some reason mm, he yeah. has chosen a smaller small pond yes <laughs> he, can, he can prey on the fact that the mice are smaller than he is yeah i wonder if in the rat world radigan is either very small or just really weak and lame right like maybe the rest mm-hmm. of the rats are like yeah super evil yeah in, or maybe they're the rats of nim and he's just really dumb in comparison oh yeah that's <laughs> he, he he got left behind <laughs> yeah that's, that's totally possible the song features Bill the Lizard as an Easter egg for Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, if you guys remember the animated Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Like, they drew in a character yeah, from another yeah. movie. Yeah, Just like, I like to think Baloo plays Little John in in. <laughs> he does. Robin Hood. Yeah, he's he just, definitely he's does. He's just acting. Yeah. <laughs> Notable lyrics are, even meaner, you mean it, worse than the widows and orphans you drowned. Yes. Whew, that's they dark. To- yeah, they tossed in this quick little line about how he'd murdered <laughs> widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. And it really gets glossed over super quick. Because at the beginning of the song, he says, this is the worst plot. I have the most diabolical mm-hmm. scheme mm-hmm. that I've ever had. And they all say, is it really worse than that time that you murdered all those people? Like, that's <laughs> that's really, like, that's this, this line. Yeah. So, actually, earlier in the song... 
he mentions the tower bridge job, which is a very specific thing, but he never explains it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a different version of the song earlier, he elaborated on that. And apparently what he, what the tower bridge job was, he threw a bunch of mice into the Thames. <laughs> and then when they tried to resurface, he shot them. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my! And mm-hmm. so, and so, some people think that the line "Worse than the widows and orphans you drowned" is is, is talking In about yeah. the Tower uh, Bridge job. It's, it's as a replacement for some line about how he shot them. Yeah. <laughs> this is a rat, everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty so dark stuff. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a really good song, even though it is the only mm-hmm. song, and. It's like we said, kind of like happy sounding. Weirdly. Yeah, it and I, well, there's technically another song later on in the True. movie, also sung by Vincent Price, mm-hmm. but it's like a recording. Mm-hmm. It's a diegetic song. Yeah, so a diegetic song is actually when you have a movie and within the scene there is a song that is like visible to the, like the characters can hear it so it can be on the radio or another character is singing it but the the music and and stuff is coming from the scene yeah. versus non-diegetic is when you have just like music like scores and stuff that you can hear that isn't actually within the scene so yeah. the, the characters aren't hearing the non-diegetic music exactly right. yeah the scene where they go to a um, burlesque show. So yeah. There's that too. Yeah. A mousy burlesque show. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is a great movie. You guys should yeah. watch it. It's so good. So the next entry on our list is from Disney's first 3D animated princess film. Ooh, Ooh. gotcha. Ah, tangled. What? <laughs> Just kidding. This is also the first song on our list composed by Alan Menken. It's called Mother Knows Best. Hooray. I need to see them, Mother, and not just from my window, in person. I have to know what they are. You want to go outside? Uh, Why, Rapunzel? Alan Menken was one of the architects of the Disney Renaissance, with his memorable melodies that perfectly matched characters and actor voices. (laughs) We're kind of going to go backward with Alan Menken through the rest (laughs) of the list. So this one was more recent. Mencken spoke on the uniqueness of Mother Gothel's character and the theme music because she was not only a villain, she was also a mother. In Disney, we are often led to believe that mothers are good. I mean... Most of the time, yeah. Yeah, and, usually. <laughs> and there's a lot of times where they're not even around. Right. Stepmothers are bad, but mothers... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just kidding, but that is kind of... That's almost... Mm-hmm. It's kind of how it is in Disney. Mm-hmm. So, and she's a character that's very much loved by the protagonist. And the really special thing about the song is that we know that Mother Gothel is evil. We know that she kidnapped Rapunzel. Rapunzel doesn't know this. And so we watch it with such a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And they do such a good job with the lyrics and the music to make us see how she was able to keep someone who was as strong as Rapunzel locked in this tower without questioning why, or I mean, because she does ask every once in a while, but not not nearly enough for Mother Gothel to break down and let her go. Yeah, mm-hmm. seriously. And we see throughout the lyrics in this song, it's because Mother Gothel talks her down and makes her feel less than. She took away everything that Rapunzel had that would make her you know free that would Mm -hmm. make her independent and Mm -hmm. and this song does a really good job of doing all of that with some kind of whimsical music in the background and also (laughs) you know we can see why rapunzel fell for it yeah it's coming from the only person she's known to be her mother and the only person she's loved Mm -hmm. and the way it's kind of said is like i mean well but i'm (laughs) telling you the truth because i'm your mother yes Mm -hmm. right you know, I'm telling you that you look terrible and that yeah. you're too weak, but I want to protect you, so I mm-hmm. need you to know that. Yeah. And it's it it makes total sense that she would buy that. Right. Exactly. I mean, who who else is she gonna ask? Right. She's not gonna ask yeah. anybody else. Pascal's not gonna know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
The song is styled after a classic Broadway number and contrasts musically with the pop-oriented songs in the rest of the film. I read a lot of reviews where people said that they thought this was the best song in the movie, and I think that's because a lot of people love Broadway, and Alan Menken is really good at Broadway, so mm-hmm. it, it, it was a good matchup, and it worked really well for that purpose, but the rest of the movie is more poppy, more, you know. Kind of trying to play to that it's, new, yes. that modern audience. And then the Mandy movie... Moore's voice, too. Yeah, yeah, Much yeah. more of a poppy voice. Alan Menken noted the similarities between Mother Gothel and another villain, Frollo, from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The parallels and how they both held someone captive and brainwashed them into believing that they were the good guys. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glenn Slater wrote the lyrics, and he'd worked with Menken before on Broadway, as well as he's also worked on the films Home on the Range and Sausage Party. Do you guys remember Sausage wow. Party? I yes. actually never ended up seeing that movie. The funniest thing about Sausage Party is that they got Disney writers yeah. to write the music and the lyrics for the songs yeah. in the movie. And the songs in, in Sausage Party are good. Mm-hmm. Performed by Tony and Emmy-winning actress Donna Murphy. She oh, is, uh, yeah. And I watched an interview where she talked about being Mother Gothel and sang the part, and my lord like even live it sounds exactly like the recording oh nice she's incredible and if they ever do a live action tangle they shouldn't but you know disney will do whatever disney wants to do Mm -hmm. and if they do she should absolutely play mother gothel no other person should do it there's i mean i'm without a doubt in the song she uses lies and backhanded compliments and little digs at rapunzel to give us a glimpse into how she has maintained control over her for so long so some of the notable lyrics are, Mother knows best. Take it from your mumsy. On your own, you won't survive. Sloppy underdressed, immature clumsy. Please, they'll eat you up alive. Gullible naive, positively grubby, ditzy, and a bit, well, vague. Plus, I believe, getting kind of chubby. I'm just saying, because I love you. Yeah. And it, this is, I had to keep in the love you part. Mm-hmm. Because that is such a, she's hiding behind this veil of this cutesy kind of, mm-hmm. I love you, you're my mm-hmm. baby. Mm-hmm. You know, like this mm-hmm. baby talk kind of yeah. idea, like, you know, I'm your mom. <laughs> I'm allowed to say these things. I'm yeah. just telling you the truth. It's incredibly condescending. Yeah. Already we see that Rapunzel is the the absolute polar opposite of all of that stuff yeah. that she just said. Mm-hmm. Because because from the beginning song and just some of the the characterization that we've been given of Rapunzel so far, mm-hmm. we already know that she's like the coolest, nicest girl yeah. you would ever meet and is probably just fine. You <laughs> yeah. know, she doesn't seem clumsy or anything like that. She's swinging around on her hair, for goodness sake. Right. Like, yeah. Hanging upside down, painting on the ceiling. Like, she's true. She's awesome. <laughs> So it's, we already know that she's the opposite. Yeah. So hearing this from her is like, damn. Yeah. Don't doing? go outside. You're getting fat. Oh, by the way, there's quicksand. Like, that's the that's song. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's also a funny song, and they do add humor to it to make it mm-hmm. a lot more bearable. So. And, and just a quick note, it's partially why one of the later songs in the bar, I forgot the name of that song. Um, I Have a Dream. I Have a Dream. Thank you. That's partially one of the reasons why that song works so well. Because she's just like, they're, they're, everyone is horrible out there. They're all evil and awful and horrible. Mm-hmm. But then that song happens where they all look the part, but they're like, oh, I've, we have dreams too. We're yes. really nice guys, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's perfect. <laughs> so our next one is Gaston from 1991. Yeah, That's coming in I hot am. at number eight. That's right. Yes, with number eight. Dismissed. Rejected. Publicly humiliated. Why, it's more than I can bear. Uh, more beer? What for? Nothing helps. I'm disgraced. Who, you? Never. Gaston, you've got to pull yourself together. When we first meet Gaston in Beauty and the Beast, we see him more from Belle's perspective as he unsuccessfully tries to woo her. After she turns down his, frankly disturbing, offer to be his little wife... Gaston's friends cheer him up with a song about how great he is. 
Imagine every jerk who has ever been turned down getting his own musical number sung by his drunk buddies and you have Gaston. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, it shows you how fragile he really is. Yeah. He's uh-huh. got a very fragile ego. Yeah. And because she turns him down and then suddenly he's like, oh, there's no point in life. I'm, <laughs> you know, yeah, why? seriously. And yeah. Even yeah. though there's all these other women that are literally yeah, fawning they're, like at his they're feet. they're falling over the him. The rest of the town <laughs> is obsessed with him. Yeah. It's just Belle. Yes. And so, like, everybody's, oh, no, you know, he's doing this fishing thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, who cares, you know? Mm-hmm. And, of course, LeFou steps in and is like, oh, man, you gotta you gotta pull, it, pull yourself together. You need, you know, it's okay. Like, we're just gonna list off everything that's great about you. Yeah. And it is, I mean... Yeah, it's a, it's a great trope that's used in a lot of movies, but it works so well here. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast songs were written by the legendary duo of Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. The melody is reminiscent of a jaunty bar tune, while the lyrics achieve a level of comedy not quite reached in other villain songs. Yeah, these are funny lyrics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The song was compared to the work of Lerner and Lowe, which Mankin has cited as an influence to his music before. Yeah, they wrote Brigadoon. Very nice. It's later reprised in the film with one of the funniest lines in any Disney song. LeFou, I'm afraid I've been thinking. A dangerous pastime. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the song lyrics were meant to be test lyrics, but were so popular throughout development, they ended up being in the final recorded song. Nice. That's, That's so pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And I know that if you do listen to the soundtrack, there's a, at the end, LeFou spells Gaston, but he can't get through it. <laughs> he can't remember how to spell his name. And that's not in the movie. Because I used to sing along to it, and I was like, where is this? Where's the part? Where, yeah. Where's this what? part? And so they, what they did was they put it back in the live action one. I was going to say, they, they brought it back. Uh, mm-hmm. This was performed by Richard White, Jesse Cordy, and Chorus. Richard White is an opera singer, and his only acting credits on IMDb are for roles in which he voiced Gaston, even as late as the early 2000s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a long That's time. Still, I mean, he just played Gaston in a movie, and then... He just it, he just comes back He's every once there. in a while to voice him. <laughs> That's pretty great. And Jesse Cordy, who played LeFou, is a prolific voice actor for video games and movies. Yeah. Very nice. And our notable lyrics are, <laughs> no one shoots like Gaston, makes those buttes like Gaston, then goes tromping around wearing boots like Gaston. I use antlers in all of my decorating. And my, what a guy, Gaston. The tromping around in boots line makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, they're just making up random, super mundane things. They were like, oh, he's wearing boots. Okay. So, So, you know what? No one wears boots like you. You wear boots better than anybody. And I just, you know, it's so obvious they're doing this. And it's it's really funny. Mm -hmm. And then also the line about antlers and his decorating it's like, this is all you need to know about this guy. Like, <laughs> you know, he likes to kill things for sport. All of your decorating? Yeah. All, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> ew. I, I just picture lamps as antlers. <laughs> and, and then right, right, right. Oh my to- the toilet paper roll thing is just an yeah. antler. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Yes. All right, moving on. Number seven down the list. Cruella de Vil. Yeah. Mm. This is kind of like the quintessential villain song. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, must be Cruella, your dearly devoted old schoolmate. Cruella de Vil. That's it. 101 Dalmatians is from 1961 and is part of Disney's Silver Age. Walt Disney based this movie on the children's novel by Dodie Smith titled The 101 Dalmatians as well. The film follows Pongo and Perdita, two lovely Dalmatians that bring their human masters, Roger and Anita, together, which is a hilarious scene. Yes. It's such a meat, it's a great little so meat cute. cute. <laughs> Perdita then has puppies that incidentally are coveted by Cruella de Vil. She kidnaps them and their parents must find them before she turns them into coats. Yes. What a horrible thing to do. Yeah, this is pretty bad. Yep. 
And I was always confused by it because, like, the coats that she would wear were these really furry-looking coats. Yeah, like but I'm polar like, bear or something. Dalmatians, like, they don't have much yeah. fur, she really. Just likes it's the very, pattern. yeah. So I'm like, you literally have to use their skin, It'd which is skin. just, ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just doing it, like, being a rich woman in mm-hmm. London, and you're just like, well... I like spots. Polka dots mm-hmm. are kind of my thing, so I'm just going to murder these puppies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's very Can't use bad. synthetic stuff. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like fashion is incredibly like forward and could easily replicate this pattern. It's literally <laughs> just black and white spots. Right. <laughs> and one thing I never understand, sorry, to, just a little side note here. Why would she do it while they're puppies? Like, what? I mean, never maybe, got she, that yeah. maybe she was going to wait till they grew up, but it didn't seem that way. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you get more. You get bang for your buck if you wait till they're grown up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the very least. But this song was written by Mel Levin and performed by Bill Lee. The song is sung by the character Roger, who introduces us to Anita's old devoted schoolmate as she has pulled up into their home. How did she find them? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> he had just finished the melody of a song that he was writing, and when he saw her approaching, he was inspired by her name for the lyrics. His expressions and body movements during the song help to clearly illustrate her evil and menacing nature. <laughs> He's just creeping around, walking up the stairs all slow and creepy-like. It's great. What is neat about this is that once Cruella is in the house, Roger has moved to the upstairs where he continues to play her theme with musical instruments such as a piano and a trumpet. He finally mocks her as she has left by wrapping a sweater around his upper body and holding something similar to a cigarette and holder. Oh, look at me. I'm Cruella now. Look at how portion uppity i am and it's yeah. it's it's great it is one of only two villain songs made by protagonists in mocking the other being the phony king of england in disney's robin hood yeah mm-hmm. it is a man who is frustrated and this woman has shown up at his house he does not like her mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, he doesn't like that his wife's hanging out with her. <laughs> yeah. And so he writes this song about how she is the most evil creature in the world. And it is really just to make fun of her. And I think that's very funny. It's very relatable. It's yeah. Yeah. And after all the things she does where she's like, oh, how much do you want? Name your price. I'll write down anything. Right. I've got, I'm a millionaire, apparently. <laughs> and, it, and the pen doesn't write. She's like, this pen is, you know, and she starts shaking the ink pen, and it just sprays all over Roger and Pongo, and they're just yeah. giving her this scowl, like, leave. Just, like, seriously, get out of my house. I'm not giving you these puppies. So it's no surprise that he's like, yeah, she's evil. Even when, you know, Anita's like, hey, Roger, cool it. Cool it with the song about how, <laughs> you know, this guest is evil. And then he goes upstairs with his, like, little horn, like, brr, 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 you yeah, know? Yeah, he keeps <laughs> Like, don't forget. Yeah, yeah. I love that towards the end of the movie, it is on the radio. Yeah. Like, wouldn't she hear that? <laughs> and know that, wait, that's my name. Yeah. Because yeah. it is her name. Like, what? It's yeah. hilarious. She was just like, this is this is my theme. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. <laughs> but some of those notable lyrics, if she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. She's like a spider waiting for the kill. The world was such a wholesome place until Cruella, Cruella de Vil. Which not like not true, but still like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like she did not bring all of yeah. the evil yeah. into the world. Yeah. But it's so dramatic. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. so dramatic, and this is like the theme song for the movie because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's really no other songs in this mm-hmm. unless you count the canine crunchies little tune i do not <laughs> <laughs> but canine I, I don't crunchies e- can't be beat i don't exactly think of that when i think of 100 <laughs> oh come on yeah. corella deville pops into that my favorite disney song is the canine crunchies, canine crunchies little tune. <laughs> so number six on our list is friends on the other side gentlemen enchanté a tip of the hat from Dr. Vassilier. How y'all doing? Princess and the Frog is from 2009 and a part of Disney's revival. 
And while Princess and the Frog took inspiration from classics like the Brothers Grimm Frog Prince and Edie Baker's The Frog Princess, it actually also used the life and experiences of someone like Leah Chase, whose life story was used for Tiana's background and goals. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. That is really super nice. cool. It's a great mix of different interpretations of the story yeah i watched this sweet little video where she talked about how they just came and they kept they sat down and she talked to them and then they came back the next night and she (laughs) talked more and and after a couple nights they told her they're like we're from disney and we want to use your story wow uh, that's cool yeah the background we want to put your story in here and i'm like oh that's so sweet this film follows Tiana, who is a hardworking young woman that in life just wants to make her dream of owning a fine dining restaurant a reality. Life becomes a bit more challenging when she happens upon Prince Naveen, who has been turned into a frog by the evil Dr. Facilier. Believing that she may become a princess by kissing him, she is then also turned into a frog unexpectedly, and they must find a cure together. Right. Because, you know, Naveen thinks that she's a princess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. And so, yeah, and so then he asks her, please kiss me so that I can become a prince again. I just need, I just need a princess to kiss me. It doesn't need to be true love's kiss. Mm -hmm. doesn't need, I just need a kiss from a princess. It'll (laughs) make this happen. And because she was not a princess. Mm -hmm. She turned into a frog instead. mm -hmm. Oh, got him. Seems what a great so switch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Why didn't she just stay the same? It's absolutely unfair to her. But... Yes. So the music and lyrics were by Randy Newman. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> and it was performed by Keith David. This song introduces us to Dr. Facilier and his friends on the other side. It also serves the purpose of letting us know how Naveen has come to become a frog before he is to meet Tiana. The evil character, Dr. Facilier, a.k.a. the Shadow Man, begins by telling Lawrence, Naveen's valet, to not disrespect him. From there, he proceeds to make Lawrence and Naveen feel welcome, enough to have their fortunes read by tarot cards. Once he has done this and convinced Naveen that his future is rich, and Lawrence that his fortune in life will be switched with Naveen's, he proceeds to change Naveen to a frog and give Na- gives Naveen's appearance to Lawrence. Yeah. A bit confusing there, but... <laughs> it is. It is a little confusing. What a, what a dastardly scheme. Yeah. yeah. This song rocks. It like, does. It is, it, I mean, it is so fun. I've seen lots of tap dance routines to it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it, I can see that. It's yeah. so, it is, it's really fun. And it's and it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Poor Unfortunate Souls, you know, The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. you have you have a character that is seemingly okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bringing yeah. you in, you know, hey, I can help you with this. I can do that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of foreshadowing imagery and, Absolutely. you know, words. It, yeah, it absolutely takes after Poor Unfortunate Souls, especially considering that both songs elaborate on the villain's capabilities, and they lure, like you said, they lure the protagonists into a trusting and false sense of security. And it also provides the villains with willing subjects in their evil plans. Mm-hmm. In order to falsely lead Naveen into the trap, he reveals a tarot card that shows Naveen as a wealthy person. But if you look very closely, there's a lily pad underneath him that signifies the unstable truth. And the lyrics during this um, is, and when I look into your future, it's the green that I see. Mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> if you em. think about it, yeah, yeah. green frog. Whoops. I wonder why he turned him into a frog. <laughs> yeah. I guess that was just the spell he knew the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. This felt right. Yeah. <laughs> And also, I like it because the style of the music in this movie is so different than mm-hmm. any other Disney movie. Yeah. So we've got more of the South. It's like a swingy kind of Motown. Yeah, kind we've of got the twenties influence. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And so you've got all all of that kind of mixed together because we've because they're in Louisiana, I believe. Mm-hmm. I like that they were able to do that with this music and <sighs> Randy Newman is awesome. It, it's an unfortunate how 
little appreciation this movie gets. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with you wanting to put this movie in the new Renaissance Uh because it deserves to be there. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not like a experimental movie. It follows all the right Right. beats. You know, it's, it's a great princess movie and a great movie period. So it deserves that recognition. So some notable lyrics are, you do have a soul, don't you, Lawrence? Make your wildest dreams come true. And then, of course, we mentioned this before, but it's the green that I see. And I hope you're satisfied, but if you ain't, don't blame me. You can blame my friends on the other side. Yeah. So next on this list, we have at number five, I Want to Be Like You, Jungle Book from 1967, also part of the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. Have we got a deal? Yes, sir. I'll do it. I'll do anything to stay in the jungle. Well, then, I'll lay it on the line for you. It is very loosely based on the Jungle Book, written by Rudyard Kipling in 1894. They reconstructed it into a fun, feel-good family (laughs) film with wonderful music. The animated classic follows Mowgli, a young boy who was abandoned and raised by wolves, and now must be convinced to leave the jungle for fear of his life. He is joined by Bagheera, the panther, and Baloo, the carefree bear. (laughs) Music and lyrics were by the Sherman Brothers. The Sherman Brothers? Okay, hold on. It's time for a Disney lesson. (laughs) So the Sherman Brothers were such a big part of the Silver Age of Disney. They did the Jungle Book and the Aristocats and... Mary Poppins, which is probably their best work ever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, you hear it all the time about how this was the last movie that Disney, like, personally got to oversee mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So you know that they he was really a big fan of these guys. Yeah. And this song is performed by Louis Prima and Phil Harris. Right. Another voice that we... Oh, yeah, love. Phil Harris. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. In this song, we are introduced to King Louis and his desire for the secret of fire. We see what a smooth talker he is and how hypnotic his personality can be. Bagheera sees right through this act and tries to rescue Mowgli with the help of Baloo as a distraction. But Baloo falls right into it, (laughs) which is so good. Um, Richard Sherman said he and his brother aimed for a jazz sound with a Dixieland-like melody. He said, When we first got an idea for I Want to Be Like You, we thought an ape swings from a tree, and he's the king of the apes. So we'll make him the king of the swingers. Ah, makes total sense. It makes total sense. That's the idea. We'll make him a jazz man. The scat dialogue between Baloo and King Louie came from two recording sessions. Louis Prima recorded first with the intent that Baloo would simply repeat after him, but Phil Harris decided not to and made up his own. Amazing. Yeah. Because I'm sure, <laughs> you know, the music is probably done by the time they go in to record the singing, right? So mm-hmm. he's listening to it and probably already has Prima's part. Yeah. So he's just hearing it and he's like feeling it. He's like, mm-hmm. ah, this is what I'm feeling. I'm just going to scat right back at him. Yeah. yeah. And it worked out so well. It feels like one kind of cohesive part right. shared between yeah. the two characters. And I love it so much. He, he swings to the beat of his own uh, That's right. sure jazz. Does. Sure <laughs> and does. This, this is such a classic Disney song. It was a big selling point for when they did the live action Jungle mm-hmm. Book. But some of the notable lyrics of this great song... What I desire is man's red fire to make my dreams come true. <laughs> Ooby doo. <laughs> I want to be like you. I want to walk like you, talk like you, too woo woo. <laughs> is King Louie here? I mean, yeah, I know. Oh my yeah. God. He's doing like talk, uh, talk poems. It's just like snap. <laughs> like, oh. It's an interesting song at an interesting point in the movie because you feel like there are. There are at least two villain songs in this, but it's meant to convey the idea that the jungle's a dangerous place mm-hmm. and that Mowgli is in, in much danger as time goes right. on. Though it's strange that the main villain doesn't have a song. But I think it goes back to what we mentioned at the beginning of this episode where some villains don't want, you mm-hmm. don't want to give them that whimsy 
part, right? right? So if Shere Khan sang a song, it might make him less scary, Mm -hmm. even though he kind of chimes in at the end of That's What Friends Are For, and it's like, with his bellowing... Yeah. Bassy sound at the end to just scare the pants off of all of the <laughs> vultures. So it works out perfectly for him. All right. So the fourth entry on our list is from the movie Pocahontas, and it's mine, mine, mine. Yeah. Gold. Mountains of it. Why, for years they've been ravaging the new world of its most precious resources, but now. The fourth film scored by Alan Menken for Disney was Pocahontas, with lyrics by the Broadway great Stephen Schwartz. Stephen Schwartz is awesome. Mm -hmm. Look him up, please. (laughs) Do it. After Disney suggested the two men work together, Menken felt that Schwartz's lyrics were the perfect combination of classic theater and folk influences. Schwartz is most known for his contributions to Broadway with Pippin, Godspell, and Wicked. Oh, very nice. Yes. yes. Sung by Governor Ratcliffe, Mine, Mine, Mine is a heavily European-influenced song that introduces the audience to the intentions of the British settlers and their lack of respect for the land they have invaded. So you could say what you, like, say whatever about Pocahontas. It has lots of problems. There are lots of issues with Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. But one of the main themes of the movie is environmentalism, which is different. <laughs> honestly yeah. it is mm-hmm. it's different it's strange yeah. that that that's you know in a disney movie they mm-hmm. don't have you know there there was kind of a trend in the 90s where making a movie about the environment was kind of it was more popular to do that back then yeah. mm-hmm. you know movies like fern gully and mm-hmm. you know so you've got pocahontas here and, and that's that's what this song is really about it's about how they're destroying the earth right and the way of life for the people that live there it contrasts the idealism of John Smith's character with Ratcliffe and plays on the word mine, meaning mine, mm-hmm. I'm mining, mine, as in it's mine. Yep. You get it, you get it, you get it. <laughs> you got it. The upbeat melody and joyful singing of the chorus gives us a look into how the settlers see themselves despite the damage they intend to do. We can't help but be drawn to the loud, happy sounds of a full orchestra pounding out an upbeat melody, climaxing with one of the best musical breakdowns in Disney song history. That's just my opinion, but it is. It's the yeah, best. I mean, I mean, we can, all of us at the table, I think, agree here that it is that good. In the original version, the song was meant to end with a wide shot showing the destruction of the land, bringing the audience back to the harsh reality of what they just happily watched. So you just, this song, this song fools you. <laughs> it turns everybody into a fool because you're watching it and you are, ha- I mean, you ha- you feel happy. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is music. They know, Alan Menken knows how to do it, you know, and then Stephen Schwartz adds these funny kind of lyrics mm-hmm. and, you know, they know how to make the audience feel secure and happy. We've got, you know, these nice major chords and this just upbeat, happy music. And then, you know, we're fooled because we are happily watching them dig and rip up the ground. Yeah. There's even a moment that I love where he's standing on top of a cannon and it fires through like seven trees. Yes. And they all break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you, you don't even think about that mm-hmm. imagery when you think about this song because it's so, you know, and so you're watching all this like kind of the kind of destruction happening and, and to such a happy soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, originally they ended with this wide shot where you saw all the t- terrible stuff mm-hmm. that they had done. And that did so poorly with test audiences because people just didn't want to want that. They didn't want the realism <laughs> smacked in their face. Yeah. It did so poorly with test audiences that they changed it so that the song ends with a close-up of Governor Ratcliffe's maniacal smiling face. Mm-hmm. I know. Performed by David Ogden Steers, Mel Gibson, and Chorus. Steers was a prolific voice actor in films like Lilo and Stitch. He played Jumba. And on TV shows like Teacher's Pet and The Regular Show. Nice. That's ah. super cool. Before Pocahontas, he played Major Charles Winchester on MASH. Oh. Yes, and Mel Gibson voiced John Smith from the song, So go for the gold. We know which is here. All the riches here. From the minute, this land and what's in it is mine. 
Yep. Yeah. Basically mm. s- s- thinking, you know, the the Spanish found gold in the New World. Yes. It's everywhere. We'll just dig right here where we landed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just be rich in there no time. There will just be gold here. <laughs> that, I mean, the New World is made of gold, apparently. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Our next one, number three, we're getting down to the last getting one. close. Is Be Prepared from, of course, The Lion King. I practically gift-wrapped those cubs for you, and you couldn't even dispose of them. Well, you know, it wasn't exactly like they was a lone skull. Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Kill Mufasa? Precisely. And this movie is known to be an adaptation of Shakespeare's Hamlet. Simba is meant to inherit Pride Rock and all the lands surrounding it, but when his uncle Scar's dastardly plan succeeds, Simba must run away for fear that everyone will blame him for his father's death. Yeah. The music was by Elton John, uncredited, and lyrics by Tim Rice, also uncredited. But it was arranged and produced by Hans Zimmer. I mean, can't go wrong there either. No, that good name there. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was performed by Jeremy Irons with Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech Marin, and a little Jim Cummings, too. Mm-hmm. In this song, Scar points out the stupidity and faults of the hyenas, and even before the song had pointed out their failure to kill Simba. He then proceeds to persuade them that if they join him and follow his lead, that they will rule the pride. The second half of the song, he tells them to prepare and lays out his plan to kill the king. There was actually supposed to be a reprise of the song, but it was cut because of Mufasa's death. They thought it would actually be inappropriate. Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems much more powerful. I agree. With just, you know... Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Simba just realizing that his dad's dead and then running away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I actually think, if I remember correctly, once Scar shows up and starts talking to Simba, like, this, the music kind of starts to, like, fade. Yeah. And then there's, like, there's like no music for a minute until the hyenas start chasing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You hear the so, hyena laugh. And... Yeah, yeah. And it's just this really powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. So the reprise was also supposed to be used for two other things, but they cut. The, they did not use those. The first was an attempt to seduce Nala to be his queen, and the second was to the lionesses after Simba's departure to persuade them to allow the hyenas onto the pride. The word "seduce" just doesn't belong in a Disney film. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't like it. I don't. I don't even like the idea of I it. I mean, really. Jeremy Irons reported that after the line, you won't get a sniff without me, his voice gave out, and so they had to actually have Jim Cummings finish the song. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing how well they (laughs) did making them sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jim Cummings is a great voice actor, and he did an amazing job to finish it. And I'm just like so amazed at how how well it fits. He never noticed He's so good at singing like other people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he did it in anastasia too yeah you know so it's just like he can do that he Mm -hmm. can just oh okay i'll just sing like this person (laughs) i'll just change my voice yeah Yeah. if if you listen if you listen very closely you might be able to hear it but it's just it's so good the beginning lyrics were supposed were going to be i never thought hyenas essential they're crude and unspeakably plain but maybe they've a glimmer of potential if allied to my vision and brain but that was cut for the movie and it's instead still in the musical and the official soundtrack yeah supposedly it was because he had already used them to try to kill Simba. Ah. And so it didn't seem right that he was saying like, well, maybe if I give them a chance. Yeah. Because he'd already given plot, them a chance. Yeah, plot wise, it seems like a step backward. I mm-hmm. see. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But during the song, the hyenas perform a goose step, which was actually fashioned after footage of Nazi troops oh, marching yeah. in Berlin with Hitler observing them. It's so obviously a reference. Yes. It's mm-hmm. so on purpose. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so brilliant. 
because they're all just copies of the one hyena, right? Mm-hmm. The yep. only three hyenas that matter are the are the, the yes. three, right? The three with voices, with voices that, that have dialogue. And yeah. the rest of them are these faceless soldiers, basically. And, then, yeah. and it works out. They even have at one point the faces turned away. I mean, they're looking... Because in the background, you can see Scar up on mm-hmm. that rock yep. with this looming shadow behind him, which is crazy but then like in the foreground you have all the hyenas going across the frame and but you don't see their faces it's just they all look exactly the same (laughs) scar's character in kingdom hearts 2 is named ground shaker which actually references that there's an earthquake that reshapes all the terrain during the song Hmm. yes it is a nice little little interesting tidbit Yeah. yeah and some notable lyrics are no, no king, king, no king, la 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 la. Idiots, there will be a king. Hey, but you said, uh, I will be king. Stick with me, and you'll never go hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> a shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. And where do we feature? Just listen to teacher. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. it's such a well-written song, and it does so much to explain the plan, because villains love to explain their plans. We'll all be rulers of the Pride Lands together, <laughs> but you better know that I am the ruler of rulers. So number two on our list. Getting close. We're getting very close to the end. You're probably wondering, what could that be? They already said all the good songs. There's no way that they have more. We do. We do have more. Absolutely do. Yes. Number two on our list is Hellfire from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. What? Possibly a controversial pick. For, Ooh, especially... for, for number two. Yeah. But Adam chose the number, so what? I'm out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. This, this, was, ah. this was a team effort. Minister Fuller, the gypsy has escaped. What? She's nowhere in the cathedral. She's gone. But how I... Never mind. Get out, you idiot. I'll find her. I'll find her if I have to burn down all of Paris. If we laid out all the plans of Disney's villains, Frollo's intentions are quite possibly the most evil. This song is unique from some other Disney villain songs because it doesn't exactly introduce Frollo to the audience. The soundtrack of Hunchback of Notre Dame hints at Frollo's personality with his sung piece before Out There, which gives Hellfire a bigger payoff. Earlier, so Frollo sings several times in the movie, but this is his own solo song. Before that, he sings in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. He's part of that big ensemble cast opening yeah. of Hunchback, and then later on with Out There, that's when we see, that's when we have kind of a mother's no, Mother Knows Best song you know where he says you know you are deformed and you are ugly and these are crimes for which the world shows little pity and you know he says things that are very similar Mm -hmm. to stuff that mother gothel says not even pretending to be a loving person though yes it's a different relationship yeah starting just after the sweet and soft theme of heaven's light sung by quasimodo hellfire stands in stark contrast The song begins with love and idealism and leads into a dark ballad of lust and conflict. In this song, we get a grotesque look into the mind of Frollo, a man who sees himself as right and just and blames everyone around him for his own faults. What a dick. Mm -hmm. More specifically, Frollo doesn't understand his lust for Esmeralda, referring to her as a siren. Knowing that sex without love is a sin, Frollo arrives at the grim ultimatum that he will burn her at the stake if she does not choose to love him. What the hell, man? It is so obvious what's happening Mm -hmm. if you're an adult. When you're a kid, it's a little more complicated. It's a little harder to understand what's really going on. But there's a moment earlier in the movie that really illustrates it, too, that it all kind of builds into this song where Frollo grabs Esmeralda. She, he's seizing her, and he stops to sniff her hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is my just the creepiest thing. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. But, yeah, there are such strong sexual undertones in this movie. Yeah, especially because Esmeralda's probably not a stranger to stuff like that. Oh, no, no. She's probably probably been treated like that by other men in this mm-hmm. world. 
At the end of the song, God answers Frollo's prayers when a guard alerts him that Esmeralda has escaped, giving him one more chance to let her go and choose heaven over hell. So Frollo doesn't understand that he is, you know, the decision, it, it's him. Mm-hmm. It's all on him. Mm-hmm. He believes, he is so, he believes in God, but even more so, he believes that he is perfect mm-hmm. yeah he's infallible yeah he thinks that if if he's lusting after her that is definitely not his fault frollo exhibits some form of each of the seven deadly sins in the song most notably lust pride and wrath very mm. very cool yes alan Menken, the film and songs composer has pointed out the similarities between frollo and mother gothel like we said while he used Broadway music elements in Mother Gothel's song, Mencken relied on the choral tones and instruments often used in church music to drive home the song's theme of religious hypocrisy. It works so well. One of my favorite parts of this song is when he kind of starts to hallucinate for like a second, yeah. mm-hmm. and he sees all of the red-robed people, yeah. and, and he's like running from this. Like, it's not my fault. That's mm-hmm. such a that's such a cool part, and it has the the church choir and the organs and it just yeah it's super cool throughout the film frollo exercises his holier than thou attitude using his position in the church to commit atrocities that the church itself would condemn the priests that appear in the song saying mea culpa which means my fault so when he does say it's not my fault and then mea culpa those uh-huh. all those priests so there you go. saying yes it is it's your fault uh-huh. this is this is your fault i yeah. see Stephen Schwartz, like we mentioned from Pocahontas, returned to bring the words for Hunchback of Notre Dame. The song is performed by Tom Holche, David Ogden Steers, Tony Jay, and the chorus. Holche is a Tony-winning musician and actor. He was nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of Mozart in Amadeus. Oh, cool. Ah. Yeah. Very nice. Some notable lyrics of the song. It's not my fault. I'm not to blame. It, It is the gypsy girl, the witch who set this flame. It's not my fault. It's in God's plan. He made the devil so much stronger than a man. Hellfire, dark fire. Now, Gypsy, it's your turn. Choose me or your pyre. Be mine or you will burn. Good grief. And for those wondering, (laughs) a pyre is what they burn you to when they burn you to the stake. Yeah. Just in case anybody was uh, was wondering what that was. No, No confusion here. Mm-mm. Yeah, no. Yeah. He, he was going to do horrible things. Mm-hmm. So finally, we've arrived at the number one best Disney villain song. In our opinion. Here we go. Poor unfortunate soul. Yes. <laughs> you, you had to know that this was number one because yeah. we hadn't mentioned it yet. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The solution to your problem is simple. The only way to get what you want is to become a human yourself. Can you do that? The Little Mermaid from 1989 and part of Disney's Renaissance period brings us this wonderful, wonderful song. It is loosely based on Hans Christian Andersen's Danish fairy tale. We follow the young mermaid Ariel in her fantasy to live on the surface world where she can walk and be free. In order to obtain this life, she must make a deal with Ursula, the sea witch. Yeah. Mm. And it's important to note, too, that she doesn't make the deal just because she wants a man. Exactly. She's always wanted to be on... Yeah, she... She's always wanted to be up there. Yeah. But... But the man definitely helps. Definitely <laughs> lights a fire under her fin. Exactly. Gets, <laughs> gets her that to... last little push. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. The music, again, was written by Alan Menken, mm-hmm. who we love, and the lyrics by Howard Ashman, who yeah. we also love. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is performed by Pat Carroll as Ursula. Howard Ashman recorded a version of the song with himself in the role of Ursula and sent it to Carol to convince her to take the role, which it did, which (laughs) is amazing. Carol even admits that she borrowed some of the inflections she used in the song from Ashman and that he was delighted that she did so. He, He was a great lyricist, 
but also he was really good at coaching the actors and getting them to to perform the song the way he intended it to be mm-hmm. him and Alan Menken writing the songs together, you know, and they've got this perfect marriage of lyrics and music. And he says, you know, okay, this is what you need to do. And so <laughs> when she came in and was like, I'm, I kind of took, I'm sure he was like, yes, that was what I wanted all along. <laughs> you, you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ed, before this song was written, Ursula was originally going to sing a song called Silence is Golden. The lyrics of this were partly reused in Poor Unfortunate Souls. Mm-hmm. Probably the part about, you know, holding not your tongue. Holding your tongue mm-hmm. and getting the man by being quiet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The song combines Broadway theater and burlesque and serves as the leitmotif of Ursula throughout the film. Yeah, this is something that happens a lot with uh, villain songs too, mm-hmm. or a particular character song, especially if the composer and the person who wrote the songs are the same person. Yeah, but this song is so great for a lot of reasons. It's it. We talked about how it was similar to Friends on the Other Side, where she kind of lulls Ariel into this false yes. sense of security and is tricking you like, no, I ha- I'm going to help you. Just yes. trust me. Everything will be fine. You'll get up there and you'll get your man and it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> but then obviously the cost of that is much greater. Yeah. Disney was having a hard time. Things were kind of just disjointed and they brought in these two guys that <laughs> basically were made it a musical. It gave it the scope of Broadway and the feeling of Broadway, and there is no, there is no song in this movie that is more Broadway than this song. <laughs> yeah, this is so. It is so fun. That's why people <laughs> love it. People yeah. want to play Ursula. Yeah, you want to be her. <laughs> she's theatrical. She's ridiculous, <laughs> and the lyrics in this song are so cleverly written. You know that what she's saying is bad, but her delivery is so good mm-hmm. that it almost sounds tempting. You get it. You understand why Ariel, she's a dumb kid. Yeah. She doesn't even look at the contract. She just signs it. We yeah. all do that. None of us read the term and condition. Yeah. None of us None. do that. None of us she, do. She even closes yes. her eyes. Too. Yeah. She doesn't want to think about it. You don't need your voice. Mm-hmm. Men don't want to hear you. <laughs> And that's, you know, it's something that, you know, in the time period, women could have easily said that without being sarcastic. You know, this is what alerts the audience that what Ariel is doing is a backward thing, getting rid of her voice, her greatest feature, the thing that everyone yeah. loves her for. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that Prince Eric is yes. loved her for, like the reason he was looking for her in yes. the first place. Ursula steals her voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She takes advantage of her. The film is showing you how important a woman's voice actually is. Mm-hmm. Just the, those lines illustrate that better than anything else in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your looks. It's she mm-hmm. who holds her tongue who gets a, it's a man. man. Yes. And those are, like we said before, likely the lyrics from the previous Ursula song that yes. they were working on before this yeah. one. I'm glad they changed it because this one's awesomer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think the reason why it's a perfect blend because it does that once she's like kind of got Ariel in her grasp. is like, aha, now I'm going to get her to really sign this contract, yeah. right? But before that, she's singing about herself. Mm-hmm. She's singing about how actually how nice she is. Mm-hmm. And she's helped all these people. You but, can trust me. Yeah. The evidence yeah. is clear. Yeah. I've helped all of these people. Yeah. Even though there are all of these like weird creatures on the ground that <laughs> yeah. are actually other people who couldn't pay the price. Right. Exactly. But you're going to be fine. <laughs> really, all the lyrics are notable, but we'll mention a few more right here. But on the whole, I've been a saint to those poor, unfortunate souls. Mm-hmm. Talking about how she's... She's been great, even though they, mm-hmm. she's done awful things, really. I'm a very busy woman, and I haven't got all day. It won't cost much. Just your voice. Yeah. Just, just your voice. That's it. That's it. That's nothing. <laughs> when, in fact, it is everything. Never. And that is going to do it for our top ten list. Right. We Woo. hope you enjoyed it. If you have any other opinions and want to talk about it and you think our list is great or awful terrible yeah (laughs) let us know uh we had some honorable mentions which we'll mention just really quick uh we wanted to talk a little bit about savages from pocahontas 
but we will not. We'll talk about that some other yeah. time. Yes, that'll be. Yeah. That'll be in uh, the Pocahontas episode. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when we dive even deeper into mine, 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 maybe. Yeah. <laughs> There's Kill the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. This mm-hmm. is an alternate villain song from Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. sung by the ensemble. There's Shiny from Moana, the Siamese Cat Song. We all know that one. <laughs> the Elegant Captain Hook from Peter Pan. The Headless Horseman from uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad. The Phony King of England from uh, Robin Hood. This is actually a pretty good song. Mm-hmm. Heffalumps and Woozles is also by the Sherman Brothers from Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, The Many yeah. Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. They're not like a direct villain, but it's a nightmare that Winnie the Pooh it's has. close enough. And then there's a song for Mad Madam Mim from uh, the, the Sword and the Stone. Yes, they are all just great songs as well, but mm-hmm. we could only do 10. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. You can check out all of our stuff at blackcasediaries.com. I'm just going to leave it there this yep. time. It's that easy. Yeah. Blackcasediaries.com. Everything is there. So check us out. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. That is going to be another case closed. Woo! All right. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.